From the Amplified Growth Studios in Alexandria, Virginia, this is Association Chat with your host, Kiki Italian. Uh, today's episode is titled The Influencer Economy, and I'm thrilled because this is a topic that a lot of people are interested in, and one that ties in well with questions that I get about personal branding and all kinds of stuff like that. But we are talking today to an entrepreneur, writer, podcast host, and former stand-up comedian, Ryan Williams, who is also the author of the book by the same name, The Influencer Economy. Welcome, Ryan. Kiki, thanks for having me. How you doing? Yay, I'm so excited. And you know what? I'm actually... I, I'm doing well, but probably not as well as you. You have been all over speaking all kinds of places, exciting places like Google. You just spoke to Google for like the second time. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, pumped to be here. Excited to see everyone in the comments and say hello to Heather. Uh, welcome, everyone. Yeah, I, I spoke uh, at Google in Venice, uh, their, their location in, you know, on the west side of LA about uh, 10 days ago. And it was about really uh, how to tell authentic stories and how to really tell what I call your badass stories. And I realized, you know, writing the Influencer Economy book and through the course of all my work and podcasting that the majority of us undervalue our stories. And we often let other people tell our stories. And it's all happened to us professionally where people have overlooked us for promotions or even gotten laid off or fired because we weren't able to tell our effective business stories in the right environments. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say, I'm going to have to dig into that in a little bit because uh, the badass stories, especially, I'm really, oh, I'm like, I, I had some stuff that I was sharing on the association chat, private community on Facebook. And so, hi, Moira. Hi, Layla. I see you over in Facebook land. Um, and I mean, badass stories, I need a lot of help with, but I don't want to get too far into that right now because I want to find out a little bit about um, you know, how you even got there. Like, tell us a little bit about your background because as, and I have, I have the yes. economy right here. Um, as you go good through pro- the book, good you, product placement, I know. And I don't even have the autograph. So, I mean, obviously one of these yeah. days I've got, we got, that. we got to meet IRL. I know. <laughs> I know. We need to meet totally. in real life. Oh, Hey, Moira. Hey, you came over from Facebook. Great. That's fantastic. So, okay. So Ryan, talk to me, tell me about your background. Yeah. How did you get to the point where you're, where you're writing a book like the influencer economy in the first place? Yeah. Um, first of all, don't write a book. I highly recommend not <laughs> writing books. If you, why? Pull, I used to have more hair before I wrote the book, just to full transparency. Um, no, all, all jokes aside, I love uh, writing books. I read business books for years. I read delivering happiness and yeah. uh, give and take all these great books that really shaped my career, The Dip by Seth Godin. And I had a, just a really big idea with the influencer economy. I was working at a, a startup, a lot of my background, but I did stand-up comedy in, in Washington, DC. Yep. You know, your neck of the woods. It looks like Reed is there from Northern Virginia. I did some some talks, some stand-up comedy gigs in Northern Virginia as well. And uh, I was uh, I realized, you know, I pivoted my career from comedy because I didn't need to be on stage. I didn't need to be telling jokes. I was much better marketing and being behind the scenes. And so I would get these shows in DC with hundreds of people standing room only and comedy central performers would be texting me, why do you get packed houses and I can get five people in my neighborhood show? So I I felt like, you know, I performed at the improv down in DuPont circle and had reached my peak 
where marketing was more of my forte and moved to California to originally work in entertainment. So I worked on the, the show Ugly Betty. I worked on the show The Wire and I was a production assistant. I sound like a existential millennial, right? I've had like 25 <laughs> careers. Um, but really, I feel like a lot of us keep reinventing ourselves. Yeah. That's how we stay hungry and make money and survive. So uh, leaving entertainment, because I saw the business models were changing, I went to a couple different startups. One was acquired by Disney, uh, where I actually worked with Heather. Yeah. She was at a company uh, that was one of our clients. And uh, the second company was acquired by Warner Brothers. And they were all digital marketing. And I realized that influence is really making a dent in the world online. And I had a, a passion for the influencer economy, is what I called it. I bought the web domain when I was at uh, the gaming company and found that the uh, real crux of influence was not being a celebrity or famous or Oprah Winfrey. Right. It was finding like very specific influencers in your field to collaborate with to grow. And I bought the domain and then. It took me like six years, right? A couple jobs later, I had a daughter and it just was like, it was time to write the book and start the podcast to, to go down that journey. Well, you know, and you touched on something that I think is so important because I, uh, I just saw this study the other day that came out from the event profs community is the event professionals community. And Julia Solaris did this um, survey and pulled in several hundred uh, people respond to the survey marketers for meetings and events. And one of the things that people were um, not doing anything with, these marketers were not doing anything with, was influencer marketing. But they also admitted that they didn't know a whole lot about it. And, and so I think that when people hear influencer marketing, you said earlier, you know, you're not talking about the Oprah's you're talking about these micro influencers who are, have influence in specifically in these places. Can you talk a little bit more about that so that, cause I know that not everybody fully understands what that means. Yeah. Influencer marketing in a lot of ways, also some people, you know, it's, it's been tainted in some corners because when you think about influencer marketing, it's often, oh, I need to pay someone to tweet about my product yeah. or I need to pay someone to make a video. And that's part of it. Um, but what I found was I did a lot of research into these celebrity tweets, Ryan Seacrest to uh, his Instagram, to uh, Kim Kardashian, and Ashton Kutcher's mm -hmm. Twitters. And I found that they convert clicks on Twitter and Instagram yeah. less than half of a percent, right? So they're, they don't move the needle. They don't even come close to moving the needle. So don't pay celebrities to tweet about your product. That's a terrible business model. <laughs> and, uh, but what I found was these people when I was at this gaming company, Machinima, that had 100,000 YouTube subscribers that were making gaming-related content, like playing Minecraft and all these games and doing vlogs. You know, vlogs are becoming really big now, like video blogging and playing these games, that they were getting 15% conversion for people to click on their stuff. And that's on Twitter and that's on YouTube and that's on social media. Yeah. So these micro level, these very niche influencers, people ask me all the time for advice. And I say, if you want to grow your influence, you're launching a product or an idea or a business, you want to collaborate with not the Oprah of the world, but the Oprah of your industry right? or the very specific person who can help you the most and then build social proof up. And I look at the internet and there's, you know, if we look at like a hundred people, you know, 1% of people on the internet are influencers, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're the people that lead their business categories. They can help generate leads. They host chats and webinars. And those are the folks that you don't want to pitch right away. What I found is you want to find that 10% of your audience is really core collaborators. 
And they're the people that you go to first before you pitch the big influencers. Ooh, talk to me more about this because, okay, you guys don't know this, but um, in conversations back and forth uh, with Ryan, and I mean, we've had a, a couple of really good conversations. He's very, very generous. Ryan, you're very generous with both your time and your resources. And so when I was speaking with him, um, I was talking about some stuff I was working on um, that's related. And I asked, I said, you know, how do you get some of these great, because he's had amazing podcast guests. And I mean, people that are legendary for not doing interviews he's had on his podcast. So I was like, how do you do this? You know, can you share an example of, uh, you know, how you ask? And he actually did. You actually did, which I was stunned. I was like, oh my God, I don't even know. I feel like I got the Holy Grail or something. It was Yeah. Insane. I'm still waiting for you to PayPal me that money. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, just really impressive, very generous. But can you talk to me? What is your strategy? Because you're masterful at this, and um, and you have been able to be very successful at reaching people that a lot of people think are unreachable. Yeah, for the, the for this answer, I'll just give you my own case study about how I did it. And uh, when I had the influencer economy book, I realized in retrospect I was getting these A list type guests. These like, and and I say that with. No braggadocious, but I had like Seth Godin, you know, great, great author yeah. on and James Altucher, all these like legendary, like Wharton professor, Adam Grant. And they came on because they were flattered. I realized they wanted it. They were like, oh, I'm an influencer. I'm in, I make money in the economy. Like, yeah. I want to be part of a book. <laughs> and I always recommend that you pitch a big vision and you just don't say, hey, come on my show and reach something, right? You want to say, I have a vision. I'm yeah. doing this because of X. And so you find that vision and you say, okay, I want you to come on my podcast. I write like a killer email headline and I say, be a part of my book. It's a big idea, you know? And then along the line, I, I was developing very well-respected guests and I had a very good product in my own opinion and a, a professional website. And I looked like I was legit and I had a platform. So, right. So the first chapter of the book is all about, you know, the big vision Yep. And how to pitch people and pit and, and present yourself. Yeah. And then also finding a platform. So you need a vehicle. Because if I would I, I always say coffee's for losers. Like asking people <laughs> for coffee is for losers. Right. Sorry. And, and behind Mawara, I used to live in uh in Roslyn in Northern Virginia, by the way. Um it looks like she's from Northern Virginia. But yep. the uh so welcome. I uh so I, I coffee's for losers because I don't want you to come and pick my brain. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to, mm -hmm. I want you to collaborate with me mm -hmm. and like what's, you know, talk about us again as a, is an example of, of Guinea pig. We never really had like an ask for each other. Yeah. We just had ongoing conversations that weren't ending. And that's where like, when you pitch people, it's like, you know what? I always recommend say no worries if not in the email. And if you pitch someone cold, especially, or even a warm connection and you want to build your network, don't say, Hey, this is a finite time period. Give me an answer now. <laughs> you want to say no worries if not and take the pressure off them so they don't feel like they have to say yes or no in that moment. Yeah. Layla says over here, oh my God, anyone who says they want to get coffee and pick my brain means they have nothing to offer me. I know. It's, it's, I mean, a, it's not a win-win, right? The no. coffee. And the worst is when you buy the person the coffee. Oh, that's terrible. And yeah. Then, funny story. The worst, this, these are the people I can't stand the most. And maybe Layla understands. <laughs> they... They they want to give you advice. Yes. And then go to the go to the coffee 
because they're they seem like they're you know at that level. You end up giving them the advice, and you buy them the coffee, oh. and you never hear from them again. <laughs> yeah, I I actually know someone who is. I mean, she just that is the whole relationship is like that, and it's just let me tell you what you need to do. And take, 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 you know, and it's yeah. just, oh, I mean, I avoid, I avoid it because I feel like that's what every conversation is going to turn into. So you have to have filters. Yeah. <laughs> and Moira is saying, Layla, want to get coffee? <laughs> so yes. Yeah. Moira, Moira, I can tell she's a taker. <laughs> I can already see that. that I mean, that emoticon even is a taker one. <laughs> so, so I have a couple of questions already. <laughs> give me, give me. And one of the questions is talking about, um, in the early days of social media, the emphasis was on being authentic. Is that at odds with the concept of being an influencer? When I researched influence, you know, which has been many years, mm -hmm. I found that when you have like on the linear approach, since we're videoing here, I can show you is you have uh, influence that comes through collaboration. Right. And you have on this one side, you have uh, what I call building in a silo. I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. And there's a lot of farms, a lot of silos. And we tend to romanticize the whole, I work in my garage and I'm building the next Google. Right. You know, we have all these Silicon Valley stories of Stanford dropouts, Harvard dropouts, launching billion dollar companies. And those are the worst examples. The Facebook movie, terrible example of, <laughs> of how to build a company. Um, and then you have, on the other side, you have people that constantly collaborate. And you're on that compendium, right? Mm -hmm. So the greater your influence has grown through, the more you collaborate. And why do people collaborate you? The third element is your story and how to be authentic. Yeah. And all these interviews I've had in the podcast and with my book and my work at Machinima with these YouTube gamers that were reaching, you know, helping us launch Minecraft. We helped launch Minecraft that was, you know, acquired for $2.5 billion. Like we were the first group to market it on YouTube. And yeah. it was through influence. And really you can't buy authenticity right now. You can't, authenticity comes through years of building yourself. And you can smell it if it's someone's fake. And yeah. what I've realized was, you know, with all these world-class storytellers on my podcast, that you can be rehearsed with your authenticity. Because if I watch The Tonight Show, if I watch Colbert, I watch Arsenio Hall, you know, for back in the day, Johnny Carson, celebrities, famous people would go on there and have very rehearsed stories that were real. Yeah. And we can all learn from that. I call it being inauthentically authentic. Inauthentically authentic. It, oh my gosh. Or authentically inauthentic. <laughs> and so you want to tell the same story again and again. And it's not a bad thing, but you got to hit the right notes. Um, Moira likes uh, rehearse authenticity. Yeah. Yes. And you got to practice your story. And authenticity will come naturally because you can adjust to the surroundings. And like I have a red wall behind me and I can acknowledge that. And you know, it, you can make it real and in the moment, but still understand that it's the same story you're telling again and again and again. Yeah. You know, so I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, sometimes, and we were talking about this the other day, uh, sometimes somebody will come on and I've heard them tell some of the same stories, but I don't always, I don't always mind it because it, I'm kind of impressed. Like the story was good the first time I heard it. And it's just, it's like, I'm, I am impressed by the idea that it's getting better. It's still a good story, but it's, it's just, you know, why it's a good story is because they're, they're learning, they're working, they're working it, they're working with it as uh, telling this story, but making sure that it really hits and um, hits home and, and does what it needs to do. 
And you can never get better at telling your story until you tell it. Right. Right. And I think that people get worried about that. I mean, for those people who are just getting ready to go to uh, great ideas, you know, we're going to be networking. We're going to be talking to people. We have this stuff all the time where we're constantly networking. And I'm sure everybody has a good story, but um, are you ready to tell it, you know, and how well does it come out when it comes, you know, if it comes out at all? And um, so I love this idea. I know that I know that this is all about influencer, you know, the influencer economy, but, you know, I also know that you are a master at, at figuring out, you know, stories and building stories and developing stories, this whole storytelling thing. And so I feel like I want, I want to go there. Like I want to, I want to, I want to pick your brain right now so that I can find out all the good stuff. Well, I mean, growing your influence, you know, in collaborating with influential people is so your story is is all you have, especially if you're a small company, a small business owner, or your association is smaller, right? You don't have a budget. Like without that compelling narrative, then no one's going to follow you. And ultimately, leaders leadership comes from stories. And the best guests on my podcast are often professors and people that teach for a living that know how to reach people because they talk every day in front of crowds mm-hmm. or people, students. The worst are tech entrepreneurs. Cause I don't want to hear that stand for a dropout story anymore. I don't want to hear about your tech product or how you raise venture capital because the majority of Americans can't relate to what it's like to raise $20 million to launch a startup. So I, I, I killed off uh, tech entrepreneurs on my podcast. Sorry, no offense if you're listening right now, but you're not invited. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, there's enough of that out there, I feel. And and so everyone's heard, heard that story. Layla says, so one of my clients is an association in the beauty industry. This article came out yesterday, talks about how the upstarts like Rihanna and Kylie are selling product in ways that are way faster than the traditional traditional brands like Estee Lauder. And some of them are not headed by famous folks. Just so interesting how they sell exclusively through Instagram by telling stories. And that's, that is so true. You know, it's, it's Layla, you're my favorite person in the chat right now. I mean, by far, that is, <laughs> that is a great, that, that's like a, you should be a, a host I and mean, whatever you do in business. Like that's like a really good conversation starter right there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, let's talk about it. She goes, woohoo, but I'm a tech person. Womp, womp. So, um, you know, I think that let's go there. Let's talk about the fact that yeah. so many people, they are wanting to, so say they find their platform, say they have their vision and they're wanting to develop their, I'm not going to say thought leadership. I'm going to say thought doership. Um, they're going to be, you know, that's a, that's a good twist on it. I like be it. An influencer. What do they need to do next? Well, if we can actually tie it into Layla's comment here, mm-hmm. it's really what she's saying is incredibly relevant because most of us don't have big Instagram following, mm-hmm. right? I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I would imagine the majority of us in this chat don't have 20,000 followers, or if we do, we bought them. I mean, let's yeah. be honest, people buy followers all the time and they have no engagements per follower. And that's really the undervalued metric. I always talk about the money ballers, mm-hmm. you know, the Billy Bean, Oakland A's book. You know, it turned into a movie with Brad Pitt. Most women know who Brad Pitt is. He's a very handsome guy. He plays a character. Have you seen it? Have I seen it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's been a while. <laughs> so it's like all about these undervalued stats for yeah. baseball players. And 
And I look at like, you got to find undervalued stats with influencers for who to collaborate with and don't look for knocking it out of the park with Rihanna or Kylie, right? They're once in a generation, right? With, mm -hmm. with however they famous they are and how they got there, they've established themselves. And with micro level influencers, tying it back to what we've talked about earlier is, you know, finding Instagrammers in your niche, right? Like, let's say you are part of a medical association. You want to reach acupuncturists, you know, finding those people on Instagram that have more niche followings and getting a whole group of them. That's more valuable than trying to pay that big ticket person, a bunch of money to Instagram about your product. And really your story is what matters on Instagram. Cause Photos are stories in, in a big way. Yeah. I think about that. Uh, Kevin Kelly, that famous Kevin Kelly, uh, 1000 True Fans, and how that really resonates, I think, with the whole influencer marketing conversation because um, it, Kevin Kelly's uh, argument there is saying you don't really need a million fans. Maybe you just need a thousand true fans who are willing to invest in everything that you produce. And if they're willing to invest X amount of dollars, it's actually just mathematical that you could actually build your career. It's a hundred dollars. They invest a hundred dollars a year, that, which is yeah. not a lot of money. No. And if you could do that, um, that you could make a living with just a thousand true fans. And it's really compelling. I think that that influencer marketing, it's the same thing. It's, are you reaching the right people? Not, are you reaching a lot of people? Are you reaching the right people? Yeah. There's a, can I tell you how I booked Kevin Kelly on my podcast? Yes. I had a, I, I cold emailed him and I just wrote it. I wrote a killer headline. And if anyone actually wants, you know, wants to, you know, if you sign up for my email list after this, I'll send you my templates for reaching influencers. But I have this headline that I wrote. It was killer. I told him I quoted him in my book. I sent him a copy of my book before it came out. And he's like, I'm really busy right now, but my new book, The Inevitable, is coming out in a couple months. And then I booked him for an hour on my podcast. And I was able to talk to him in advance of his inevitable book coming out. I, I, I was like a, essentially a press outlet for him. And you know, when the book published, I was one of many podcasts. I'm now on his website. So this great collaboration happened because of the platform, mm -hmm. right? I was able to reach him and he saw me as a micro level influencer. Mm -hmm. He knows I'm not, you know, having a top 100 podcast on iTunes, but he knew for his book launch, his instincts told him or his PR person or the publisher that he needs to do 50 of my podcasts. And then that would be a way to reach his targeted business community. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, so everybody is hopefully going to be uh, signing up for your newsletter so that they can get that. Go to influencereconomy.com. I want to I want to stress the fact though that something you said earlier, which was you don't immediately go with an ask. And I think with your with your templates, with your examples of how to reach out to people, um, you don't do that. You don't you don't directly go and just take take take. You give them a reason why it might make sense. Yeah, you have to figure out what your your long-term ask is, yeah. right? That's important. And then also what your short-term give is and how can you give people something. So for me, it was the, the podcast opportunity. For you, you have this great platform. I mean, you, you, you have a Fontiva, you know, you have a sponsor, right? So obviously there's value in the world that you're creating. And so you have a platform and you can use this as a, a vehicle. And I, I stress this, you know, all the time is that it's all about conversations and stories and 
I recommend everyone work on a 20 minute story and they work on a way, which if you e sign up for my email list, I'll send you this too. I have a story. <laughs> Can I sign up again? <laughs> same, same sign up, same sign up. Well, I, I like to create a lot of handouts and then they serve as the framework for future books. And it's like a way to, you know, get it out there. And so much of us like talk, right? You got to make stuff. And, uh, the, with the stories, you know, you're talking about 20 minutes and how to present yourself. And then the best influencers don't sell. They allow you to make the choice to buy. And ultimately, I have a story to tell and I have a story to hear. And that constant conversation is really what happens. And, and that's what you're doing here. I mean, you're obviously like a great interviewer, but you're just having conversations. And, you know, people here like Layla are even, you know, telling their story as part of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Layla more, uh, the people who participate in association chat are brilliant. By the way, John Chen. Hi, Kiki from Reno. Hey, he's at MPI Cascadia. That's awesome. Um, so, and Janice. Hi, Janice. A small business association. So, hey, nice to see you. So I want to, um, I want to be able to say that that not everybody is able to pull together their stories and you know, or feel comfortable that when they pull together their stories, that, that it comes out the right way or comes across the right way. I don't know, but do you have, do you have guidance for, I don't know, um, how to craft those stories to make them a little yeah. bit more interesting? Well, and, you know, relating it back to this topic about influence and micro level influencers is think about who you're targeting. Like think about who you're trying to reach with your story and your story audience and, you know, getting back to, you know, your influencers and your, you, that's, those are the one percenters, yeah. right? The people you want to pitch to really make a dent in the world. And then you have what I call your, your, uh, your core collaborators. And those are about 10% of the audience mm -hmm. community and your customer base. So ignore 89% the leftover people. I love them all, but they're lurkers. Yeah. They're not necessarily your, your core person to work with. So identify who your collaborators are, your 10% of the people you want to reach, and then your influencers, the one percenters, and you'll have two different messages. But ultimately, when you collaborate with people, like with you and I, you know, you had a whole email because you've done these chats so many times. And at this point, you know, you've reached a lot of different guests that you've had on your show. Yeah. And you have to treat certain people certain ways. And so person's shoes understand yeah. what they want and what they need and what they need to emotionally feel and that's how to start and and how to think about where your story's going because you know growing up in des moines iowa with these barns and silos and i'm in the middle of no you know des moines iowa is not a you know it's a smaller city like the metaphor i always use is you can't just build in a in a silo by yourself and you have to collaborate and ultimately like who are these people that you want to reach because if Kiki, if we're having a conversation and I go on a, like I used to be clinically depressed when I was doing stand-up comedy, right? That's one of my underdog stories where I overcame an obstacle. Like one of the three badass stories I talk about, I'm not going to just launch into that and say, Hey, let me tell you about when I was depressed and performing at the DC, <laughs> but in the right room with the right collaborator in the right community, that is a great story to share. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to discern what the audience is, what they want, what they need. Because think about your in-laws, right? Let's use my in-laws as an example. My in-laws like don't care that I'm not listening to their story. They just know <laughs> you, I got to listen to it. And it's it's like, that's why we have such miscommunications because 
I have to get stuck listening to things because they don't really care about their audience, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, dude, you're here. You're married to my daughter. I, I just care about your kids, you know, like, yeah. And so think about your in-laws and how hard it is sometimes to talk to them and realizing that you have to understand like who, who your audience is and make sure everything's relevant. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. There's so much that comes up as you're speaking. So, you know, the thing is, is that, um, influencers all the time influence me on decisions I'm going to make. I'm going to hold up, I'm going to hold up something and you tell me, uh, what I'm holding up. Maybe any podcast, uh, people who love really popular podcasts. Oh, wow. Look at my, look what I did here. I like oh, your hashtag gosh. up on the wall. I know. I know. So check this out. So wild planet, right? The sardines and then mushroom coffee. Anybody do this? Does anybody see like a link between what those two products are? They're kind of bizarre products, but they're linked and I'll test Mush mushroom coffee. And what's the second product? The, the wild planet sardines. <laughs> Are those from the same company? No, no, but they were both recommended. They were both uh, sponsored, uh, sponsors on uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast. Now, I haven't gone the way of subscribing to Me Undies and uh, having, like, you know, I haven't subscribed to an underwear subscription service. Uh, uh, I almost did. And I think that the fact that I would consider doing that based on a man who has a podcast. I don't, I, it's hard to believe, but, but when somebody, when you're listening to somebody who is supposed to know about optimizing your life, so there's relevance there, uh, who a lot of people listen to, there's reach there. And he, uh, says that he only talks about things that he believes in. There's some resonance. And I think, Hmm, Maybe that's a good idea. Layla's over here being, she's the comedian. She's like, uh, I hope you have some gum after those. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I hope that both Moira and Layla yeah. email me after the show. Yes. I think that we're going to be besties. I like this conversation <laughs> we're having. You're like, you're, you're my, uh, my, my webinar chat uh, BFFs. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and here's a good question. I have a couple of questions that I'm gathering over here. Because speaking of your favorite, uh, Moira, one of your favorites, Moira uh, says, with the focus on social media as a conduit for fake news, will there be fewer opportunities to influence in the future? Yeah, we are in this decade. We'll be re remembered. I, I study online influence in politics and media a lot because we were like the messaging that comes out of that is so crazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Kathy, I agree. It's a little scary. I think this era will be defined up and hopefully it will dissipate, you know, by 2020 as fake news and social media. Like I think that this, unfortunately, you know, there's no authentication where people, you can just tweet and be a fake person, right? You know, you can buy followers. We all know people that have, and it doesn't matter. Right? Like I mentioned before, people buy Instagram followers and then you, you're like, oh, wow. Like I have a client yeah. who has a 20,000 followers and has no Instagram strategy. Right. And I was like, why is that? They're like, well, these followers are bots. They're from the Ukraine. And she gets, you know, 50 likes uh, image. Mm -hmm. And that ratio from 20,000 followers to 50 likes, that's she's 
in trouble. Right. Kathy says that's not authentic. And you know, but but there are a lot of people who do that. And it it's a clear giveaway when people are starting to get savvier about that, I think. Uh, when you go and you see that there's either not a lot of engagement on their posts, yet they have all of these these different followers. Um, or you go there and they're just, um, you know, posting the things that uh, are marketing their materials, but they, they don't have a lot of back and forth or, or people. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. This is a really funny group. They are. Like, they're really Richard's smart. making a joke that he yes. paid for those followers. <laughs> well, you know, um, the thing is, is that uh, a lot of times, especially in like the publishing world, you know, you're looked at if you don't have a, a large following already, a platform that you've already built up. A lot of times they push back on you, like traditional publishers will pu push back on you uh, because you don't have a large enough following. And I saw this happen the other day to somebody who has a, a very, very large following. Her entire career is built around it. And yet she got pushed back because she didn't have a large enough following. And uh, that- For publishing a book? For publishing a book. They then later came back and apologized. And I think she was talking maybe to the, they were in the process and then somebody, you know, was giving her a hard time because she didn't have enough Instagram followers. So- Yeah. That's, yeah. I had a book agent. I had the same book agent as Dr. Phil and- uh, I ended up, meanwhile, I self-published my book based yeah. on the fact that 12 publishers turned me down. And I'd say a third of the negative feedback was I wasn't a celebrity or I didn't have an audience outside of Los Angeles or, yeah. you know, it was like all these vanity metrics of the people that get book deals now have to be celebrities, you know? And what I realized, you know, through this process is that if anyone wants to write a book here in the chat, whether that's Richard or Moira or Kathy, mm -hmm. is you have to like write your book and self-publish it. Yeah. And, and I then, don't, and I don't want to forget over here, Nick Parker covet thy neighbor's engagement over their followers and Josh yeah, and no, Michael, I see you guys over there. Yes. Well, and, that, and that's also what's really hard to do is like keeping up with the Joneses mm -hmm. and, you know, having that in mentality. Like I went to a, a marketing conference in San Diego last week and I couldn't stomach it because mm, it was a, yeah. uh, it was about traffic and conversion and selling products because it was all sell, sell, sell. We make six figures. We made a hundred thousand dollars last week. What are you doing? You loser. Like you, if you don't buy this, you're, you're not going to become me, you know, essentially like that's what people are selling. And I feel like that's such a bad, it's an outdated way of business. I, think I love gonna, you for saying that. I love you for saying that. I'm so sorry yeah. that. I feel like with a lot of the privacy rules that are coming our way, the, you know, uh, Richard, the GDPR and things like that, the list building, list building, list building. I keep waiting for those people to, to like, you know, get in really big trouble because they're misusing their lists, which you know happens. So. Yeah. I don't know if that, and that's really hard to infiltrate as the, and I feel like it, yeah, I went to another conference last week called Social Media Marketing World. Yeah. And that was also in San Diego the same day. And uh, I actually don't buy tickets to conferences now because I don't – I like to sit in the lobby and talk to people. And, <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting into that conference for a little bit that was all about like aspirational people, collaboration, social media. How do I help your following and my following? Mm -hmm. And, and it, you know, to tie it back into like kind of this whole cycle of authenticity and – more, I had a good question earlier. You know, my bet, my bestie, is that you know, will we doubt influencers? Yeah. And I think that you know, my definition of authenticity 
through interviews with people and asking them is when your actions match your words, mm. right? Mm. So your actions match your words. Mm-hmm. So some of us say something that don't deliver on it. A lot of these hucksters, like Richard saying, you know, for two ninety nine, buy my course, yeah. get rich uh, quick. There are these folks that don't fulfill and they don't even care if they fulfill. Right. Like I've had people sign up for my courses, which is available Influence <laughs> for two ninety nine for four ninety four ninety seven. Uh, I've had people sign up for it, PayPal me, like within twenty four hours, tell me they don't want to take it anymore, tell me they want to wait a year to take it, and and then I get on the phone with them. I say, "What are you doing? Like you bought this thing, and I'm sorry, shaking the camera. I get mad, but yeah. they're okay with just checking off a box, yeah, saying, "Oh yeah, I paid for this. I'm kind of helping myself." And I can tell my wife I'm working, but ultimately when you think about the course creators, they're, they love that Yeah, because you're like, Oh wait, I made 500 bucks. I didn't have to do anything. And so that whole scam system, it goes back to buying fake followers and really not understanding how to help people and more or less, you know, working the system. Yeah. And it's it, people are over here, you know, they're thinking about so it must be nice to have that kind of money to spend. Reed's saying, or watch my 15 minute intro free and buy the $200 program. It's so interesting. Yeah, mo- that we- most I do most chats I do, the people are not this humorous. So <laughs> Kiki, whatever you're doing here is 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 attracting nice. the right the right influencers. Thank you. They're they're very they're very actually. I wouldn't say they're very kind. They're very kind, and and uh, Richard's saying gin and tonic helps. Aw, and Kiki's best. I love you guys. So good. So yeah, you know, I have another question over here that I want to uh, to have you answer for us because it has to do with storytelling, and it's do you have a favorite storytelling platform? Is it podcasts? Yeah, for me, it's absolutely podcasting, and I think everyone needs to pick multiple platforms. You can't just rely on one and you need to be strategic about it. And ultimately like what makes your strengths? What is, what is a, what's your way to validate it? And I think that everyone needs to validate your podcast, your platform in three ways. I mean, it's the rule of three. And for me, the podcast was, it would help me network with influential people to, you know, it was important for me to build my network to write the book. Right. I got case studies. I got endorsements from it. People like Adam Grant wrote a case that, you know, an endorsement that I really look up to. Um, the second was I used to stand up comedy. So I like to connect with people and build community and, and help others laugh, you know, in a way. And then the third was I understood influence. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tell the stories of these influential people. Yeah. And then you go to the, like, what's the mechanics of my platform? Podcasting is easy. I don't have to look yeah. good. I don't have to have matching wallpaper. I don't have to, you know, I can do audio. Not everyone's good on video. No. And, you know, we are obviously. obviously I mean, you have, like, hashtags on your wall. <laughs> I know. I, I, that's usually out of the frame of uh, the shot, but yes. And I turn, I only turn it on. I'm so cheap. I only turn it on because I don't want to burn out the bulbs when I'm about to go into a meeting that I really want to f- be fired up about. It's just out of the frame, but I know it's there. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, you know, it'll be great. Um, yeah, now I'm looking through my, I, aha, I found it. I was looking through my adult flashcards. I make adult flashcards for myself. They're not pornographic. They're just like flashcards for being an adult. And, um, okay. Since you brought up the word pornographic, yeah, I'm going to tell you my definition also of authenticity is there was a Supreme court justice, 
Uh, and I'm going somewhere okay with this, so don't be worried about uh, <laughs> We have the hashtag Supreme... ass and chat. Go with it, you know? Ass and chat. Ass and hashtag chat. ass and chat. Um, the Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart said with pornography in the late 70s, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> and I write in my book, uh, The Influencer Economy, available on Amazon.com, yes. that authenticity is like that, where you know it when you see it. And you can't necessarily even explain it sometimes, but it's there. And I profile someone named Hannah Hart, uh, who has a show called My Drunk Kitchen and makes a bunch of YouTube videos and has a, now has a show on the Food Network about it. <laughs> Amanda loves Hardo. Yes. Uh, see, Hardo, she's a global superstar. Why do you love Hardo? You know, I'd love to know. It's her authenticity. And how do you define that? It's very hard. So I've been trying to quantify authenticity for years. And my next book is about storytelling. Mm -hmm where I'm hoping to quantify it with metrics so people feel like they don't necessarily have, know how to manufacture it, but they know what it looks like and how, why they're attracted to it and what makes it matter. Mm. So that's such a great answer. You're such an awesome guest. I cannot believe this. Can you believe it? I mean, but you have your own podcast. So, I mean, and your storytelling, storytelling is your thing. So well, that's the interesting thing is people expect me to have a great story. Yeah. So if you were a bad guest, that that would not be a good look. Now they'd be like, dude, don't buy this guy's four hundred ninety seven dollar <laughs> program. Don't buy his book on Amazon. Don't sign up for his email list to get a bunch of free stuff. Yeah. But I think that, but you're probably like me, where you've been able to study how people have given answers. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked to some great storytellers or bad storytellers, so I feel like the expectation is a lot higher. The bar is high, right? Because you know, you know how to talk to people. So I have to over deliver. Yeah. Well, and I've gotten, I was interviewed earlier today and I, I've gotten a little bit better at interviews myself because I, I know that there, that there's like something that they need to put into their article. So it's like helping me, I think as time goes well, on. What's actually, uh, can I give you a compliment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was oh, very yeah. good about, yeah. Okay. You ready for, hey, Richard, Kathy LePage, Amanda, uh, Of course, Jessica, Moira. Don't these. forget Moira. Moira, my besties, yes. I'm going to give her a compliment right now. So I want to know if you uh, agree with me is that what makes you a really good interviewer is, and I was interviewed earlier today oh. is that you are not asking questions just for yourself. You're asking questions for the greater community. And so it's not about your ego and a lot of podcasters yeah. and I've done this, of course, yeah. right. I'm writing a book. I want to ask you for advice about how to write my book. Like, right. That's I'm transparent about that. They just make it relevant to them. So it's almost like you're giving them a 30-minute advice session yes. for them, which has relevancy, but you need to ask you need to put your ego to the side and ask questions for the listener. And I studied Oprah a lot mm -hmm. in in her storytelling. And she used to have a, a a woman named Susie. And Susie was the avatar audience member. So she would ask every episode for the producers. How does this relate to Susie? Mm. And she wouldn't do the show or have guests or have content unless Susie would enjoy it. And so I think you've done a great, you do a great job of identifying that Susie out there, you know, that Moira, that Kathy, where you're answering the questions on their behalf. Yeah. You guys are asking awesome. Them. All the people who are writing in, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and this is, thank you for the compliment. That's so kind of you. Um, I do though want to ask, 
a question that is not to not for me, but it's for uh, John over here on Facebook. I feel like I'm ignoring you guys over on Facebook, and I'm so sorry. Hey, dude, Asin, Asin chats for the people. It so is, John, it's for the people, and this is this is part of participating live is that you get to ask your questions live. He says, "I'm an expert in team building. What's the thing I can do? What's the one thing I can do to increase my influence?" That's tough. If you are team building, what what is his uh, his industry? Well, actually, I can tell you, I've got his book over here. He's been a guest, and it's he's written this book on uh, like digital team building games. He uh, is specifically really, really great with the meetings industry and comes in and brings people together uh, through doing part. But he's a technology expert. So okay, I'm gonna answer this with. For two questions, I saw an, a question earlier, maybe from Moyer or someone, about how to network at conferences. Mm -hmm. And my advice I always say to people they want to build teams or want to help collab grow their collaborators, right? Grow that ten percent base, not the influencers, the ten percenters. Because um, remember, we're going to ignore eighty nine percent of yeah. of the world because they're just lurkers. Yeah. And uh, everyone here is a ten percenter, right? At the very least, if not one percenters, mm -hmm. and. You want to make the best way is to make introductions for people is to find out what pain points they're needing help with. Mm. And so you have a conversation. How can I help you? Um, it could be as simple as, hey, you need a graphic designer and a friend of a friend does graphic design. Or it could be you have a podcast, you need guests, or I can just give you general advice that I'm an expert in marketing, branding, and storytelling. I can help you and just give you 20 minutes of a conversation. So think about how to barter in a way. Where that bartering is making introductions. Yeah. And I can help, you know, Kiki, for example, uh, I have a friend who's an expert in trade marketing and I've helped him launch his book and it's coming out on Amazon in two weeks and he has a, a supplement company, not too dissimilar from that um, chocolate coffee you just showed us. It's not chocolate, it's mushroom. <laughs> it, mushroom. And it's called, it's called Dow Labs and he, uh, I grew up in Iowa with him. I helped him launch his book and I'm going to offer maybe if he's interested in your show and you're interested in him, like no worries if not, but maybe he'd be a good guest for you. Oh, wow. And that's a way for us to exchange value for one another and help and barter. And yeah. that's influence yeah. because I want to make your show better. And then maybe in a month you're like, hey, Ryan, I'm not even doing this for a reason, but I want you to meet this other person. And you don't have to have an end game in mind, but just generally keep collaborating and, and working with people. Right. Oh, that's such a good point because- I remember back when I first went out working on my own, I would, I thought that you, you know, it's a numbers game. And I would like, I would have coffee with, with people and I would talk about what I was doing and hope that it was like, you know, maybe if you need a little help with digital marketing, let me know. And, um, and the thing was, was that I wasn't going into it really listening. I was going into it with my own needs first in my brain. And of course, when you're meeting with somebody, there might yeah. be something that, that... And you're nervous, right? Because right. you're just jumping into it. But then what I learned, and, and of course, I was wildly unsuccessful. Um, but as time went by, you know, I started just listening more. And I think this, actually, this show probably helped a lot because um, the more I was able to listen, the more I was able to figure out like what that person might need that matches with what this other person needs. So, yeah, so do, would you be interested in John on your show? Well, yeah. See, Let's do right? It. This is how the, Let's do it. This is how it works. Yeah. Right? So yeah. like I'm not doing this for – I'm just doing this because it's a it's a win-win. And, yeah. you know, getting back to like the points about networking at conferences or team building, it's 
what's your problem? Like, not like, what's your problem? Cause you're rude, but what's your problem? What is my father-in-law? He's a boiler repair uh, company owner in North Carolina. And he, you know, I asked him about influence and he's like, dude, what do you do, Ryan? Like you're married to my daughter. Like <laughs> what's, what the hell is this book about? And why'd you, what's machinima.com? Uh, He's a, uh, he's very perplexed, but he's also like, you know what? You got to solve pain points for people. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my fundamentals is like, what's your pain point? Can I help you with it? Can I not? If I can't help you, I don't, no worries. Right. But at the very least, you know, if I can help you, there's going to be 50 other people that would want to help me hopefully in the long run. And right. so it took me a while, like you're saying to get it because I'd be like, no, I'm helping people. God, this sucks because I'm not getting anything back. Right. And you have to like forego judgment in a way and not be hard on them or yourself that there's going to be an instant payoff. Yeah. I, I was talking with somebody who they were explaining to me their their vision that that business, everything in business, it's a zero sum game. And if if you're not the one that's getting it or actively working to get it. And somebody, you know, somebody else is going to get yours, you know. Is this like a Shark Tank host? No, <laughs> no. Well, and and so, but I just knew at that moment, like I just philosophically, I just was totally, I was never going to, I every bad decision, like the worst decisions of my life have been based on money only, like been based on money alone. And there's so much else. It's not that money is not important. It's just that there's so much. There's so much else that that is important in life that feeds into a decision, and so, you know, I think that it's, <laughs> I think that it's interesting that um, that a lot of us lose sight of that. We get we get desperate, or we we think that that's the way that winners are the are supposed to act. And really, what we find is that when we start listening more and let go of of what we think we should be doing, and instead just listen to to where things are taking us helping other people is always going to end up as long as, as long as you know what it is you're trying to achieve and you're looking for those, those connections, helping other people is always going to end up helping you. And Reed says, pay it forward first. And Kathy is giving us a resource. Look up conference topia by Michael O'Neill. Kathy, I don't, I'm not familiar with conference topia. So I will have to look that Me up either. because I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to get from that. I wish I did. And, and Heather at Q or friend at Q career yes. said, her favorite Tim Ferriss podcast was when he said two words with Cat from Defy Ventures. Mm, she did all the talking. Loved that one. Yeah, I should take. If I did that, though, all the time, I'd be in some big trouble sometimes. Nick says, preach. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Oh, Nick's who asked that question? Well, Nick has. Uh, Nick Nick is over on Facebook Live. And uh, he. I know that he has a podcast that he's been doing. And Jer Bear, hey, hey, I see you over there. He forgot to message in. Oh, I see. Can I ask people for help to collaborate with me on my next book title? Uh, as long as it's not Ass and Chat, I think you're good. Yeah, yeah. Ask people to help. Okay, so I'm not going to name it Ass and Chat. Yeah. Uh, so my next book title is going to be How to Tell Your Badass Story. Okay. Number one. Okay. How to Tell Your Authentic Stories. Or How to Tell Three Stories Anywhere, Anytime, Anyplace. Ooh. So I don't, the second one doesn't do it for me. The first one reminds me of the badass Jensen's Chero stuff. Right, yeah. right. And then uh, 
Yeah. Because she is hers is how to be a badass. Yeah. And then how to be a badass at money or something. I actually have. Yeah. I listened to her book and I yeah. stopped. No offense to Jen here <laughs> on this chat. I did an audio version of it and yeah. it was too much spirituality and yoga. Oh, yeah. No, I I'm do yoga. Little, I'm a little woo woo. I'm a little bit of that. Well, I do. I, I felt like I wasn't. Yeah. Amanda, who likes Hardo, is uh, says number two is boring, which is what Kiki tried to say nicely. <laughs> and um, by number one, yeah, but she likes profanity. Yeah, it's how to tell your bad, how to tell three badass stories, or how to tell your badass story. It's not corporate, but who cares? So over here, Nick Parker says we all need help allowing ourselves to tell our badass stories. You know what, guys? I need to figure out how to tell my badass story. I even also, I, I already tried to get help with this, and we can do this offline. But I'm just saying, I agree, Nick. We all need it, including me. I need it too. Kathy's like, what was number three? Which probably it, tells you all you need so to know. It was so boring. Right. It was so boring. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed that there were three things. So I was like, ooh, three. There's structure. But um, yeah. yeah. All right. So badass. That's a badass good word for ass and so chat. far. Yeah. Okay. But you're playing to the crowd, right? It's ass and chat. So yeah, we know. We like I know my audience. <laughs> I'm so much less likely to buy a book that sounds corporate. I have read corporate style books, and I always feel like they were not written for me. Yeah, I go there. I I, I can get, and I still. And if and you I do cor like corporate speaking gigs, people are like, "Oh, he's a little edgy. We want the edgy guy." <laughs> he said, "Badass." <laughs> yeah, he's a badass. Oh, was he going to say the f word? <laughs> Somebody, Jer Jeremy says, "Badass in chat." Oh yeah, that's so. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that'll be like That's a subgroup. Yeah, yeah, badass. That I'm right with you. Yeah. Oh, collaboration. There you go. Yeah, we'll collab. Oh my gosh, this hour, now, this hour, it, now, like we're running out of time. Oh. And now Kathy's telling me badass is trite. Is I mean, badass I trite? So I just can't win. Okay, let's talk about this. I want to get this because Layla's a fave. She's she is one of my besties too. You can't have her, but you can you can borrow her for this chat. I, I want. I would like that. I'm gonna put her on my bestie umbrella. Yes. So she says. So curious, how you got started with your corporate speaking gigs? Great question. Mm -hmm. I was at a company that would never book speaking gigs for me because I wasn't an executive, and I was machinima. Then I went to another company where I was a startup, but I wasn't the founder. Mm -hmm. And I realized, no, can I, I can swear, right? Yeah. No one gave a shit about me at these companies. The, the founders and the executives wanted all the attention, the accolades, and the the speaking. Yeah. And uh, I went and wrote the book, right? But writing a book doesn't give you speaking gigs. What I did was, I think the what made me stand out was I had a podcast, mm -hmm. and I knew I wasn't bullshitting with these people because I could talk, I could conversations. I could even offer to make it a podcast, like if I did talks and help pr promote the venue. But the podcasting made people realize like this guy is media aware, yeah. right? It doesn't necessarily mean I'm media savvy or I'm even a good speak speaker. Um, so that helped, right? So the book and the podcast were symbiotic. And then I started filming my speaking. Mm -hmm. I put up a YouTube channel with a, one talk and then, you know, getting other companies that they were paying. Yeah. That. That helped. And then getting Google Talks really helped. But it takes a long time, as Kiki would know, like to establish yourself as a speaker. And you really have to make it a, a goal and a focus and a priority. Yeah, you definitely do. I mean, I wish I could say that I'd spo spoken at Google twice. Twice. Did you go out to eat when you got that one? When you were like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually got, I got sushi the next day after I did the talk. All right. I didn't even tell my wife about it because it was like really too expensive sushi for lunch. So I was like, oh. <laughs> This is my own little my own little uh, reward. Ooh, 
Amanda says, how to tell your story like a badass may speak more to people who don't feel badass yet, but want to be. Well, that's what's interesting, Amanda. Amanda's like an, another bestie. She, like, if, she, yeah. yeah. If you all like, don't even email me afterwards, Ryan at InfluencerEconomy.com. <laughs> Kathy's like, how to get from sad ass to badass. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be in withdrawal after this. How to get from sad ass to badass yeah. in, in, in in a week. Well, hey, would you, if I have an association chat um, like event, would you come and speak at it? I'd love to, and yeah. hang out at it? Okay. Can I meet people IRL? Can I meet these people yeah. in real life? Oh, yeah, that's the whole point. That is the whole point. Where is it going to be? Well, you know, that's just the thing. We need to decide that. We have <laughs> Richard, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe we can talk. Yeah, in Alexandria would be fantastic. Everyone wants Northern Virginia because they people are It's relatively close to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, Kathy, you're trying to woo us with wine. Uh, yeah. And Heather's like, don't forget we have Cal SAE event coming up. I don't, I'm not going to be there. Heather and I will be there giving a talk. I know. I'm so excited for you guys. You're going to have to like, you know, FaceTime me or something. Is anyone going to be there? Kathy, you're going to be at Cal SAE? Yeah, this is a great chat. I'm going to have withdrawals. I know. Which it has come to that time. And you guys, this was amazing. Ryan, I know, you know. There's a reason why we've it's had a good workout. I got to stretch out. It's uh, so easy to talk to you. I have a million and one questions I didn't even get to, but I hope that we didn't you... get your note cards. No, I know. I know my adulting, my adulting note cards. Thank you to my guest, Ryan Williams. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us today on association chat. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. And thanks to all of you who participated. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed this show, please be sure to like, thank, subscribe, do all the things to share the love that you could possibly think of. And be sure to join the private Facebook group for Association Chat for more delights and intrigue await. Come back next week when we'll be coming to you live from the Great Ideas Conference in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And until next time, everyone, keep asking questions to learn every day. As Joseph Campbell once said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Association Chat. If you like this episode or even just the concept of the show, please subscribe and share it with your friends. We love to have them here to our wonderful sponsor, Fontiva, the AMS for Innovation, for their ongoing support of Association Chat and the community here. Check out Fontiva.com to find out about Fontiva for Associations, Fontiva for Events, Fontiva for Government, and more. Check them out, Fontiva.com.